The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Adrian Clark, and this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast from The Athletic. I'm covering the big seat for Stoney this week, who's enduring a well-earned post-fringe breather. Rumours that he didn't fancy it after we lost our invincibility on Sunday are very much wider the mark, honest. Uh, I'm not alone, thank goodness. I've got Amy Lawrence and Michael Cox to keep me company as we look back on Sunday's 3-1 defeat at Manchester United. Uh, how are we doing, guys? Good morning. Average morning. Well, <laughs> below average. Good to have you with us, Amy. Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit flat myself. What about you, Coxie? How's things? Yeah, not bad. I've got a bit of a sore throat this morning. So if that comes across, I apologise. It's not that the Athletic have signed up Sean Dyche. Um, <laughs> although, who knows? I mean, he must be getting pretty bored now. I wouldn't be surprised if he does join at some point. So, it's uh, a logical step. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, before we pour over that United defeat in, in more detail, as it's the first day of school for pretty much everyone in the UK, today. Not here in Leicestershire, by the way. That was last week. We're ahead of the game here. Uh, I wanted to ask a pretty silly question, but that's par for the course on this podcast. Which Arsenal players would make up a staff room at Guna High? Um, yeah, let's... Let, I, I mean, can you imagine Arsenal players of yesteryear as teachers or current players, of course? Um, yeah, in the staff room, if so, what... What might their what might their roles be, uh, Amy? Let's start with you. What you got for us? Well, I think um, Tony Adams uh, maybe has to be the dance teacher uh, with his newfound <laughs> um, role coming up on Strictly. But also, uh, as producer Ben pointed out when we spoke before, you know his moves and grooves that he showed uh, <laughs> as a manager um, in times past. I think it would be you know to have him teaching an arty subject would be absolutely right because. You know, he he's a newfound guy who's found a love for, uh, you know, everything from piano, theatre. He could be helped at times by Lee Dixon, whose wife is a, a contemporary dance expert. So I think they'd make up a, a good pair in the, in the classroom. Lee, I think Lee could, Lee could be a good psychology teacher. He likes talking about 100%. things and... And and he's he, he he's quite an original thinker, and he's 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 deeper than he thinks. If you're just used to him on FIFA or or commentary, um, our good friend Lee, I think would 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 definitely be a good uh, psychology teacher. I would go along with that. Yeah, I think I think with Tony, he's definitely got the gearish sort of drama or dance teacher dress sense as well, hasn't he? He's, he, he's a little bit little bit leery. And um, what what have you got for us, Coxie? Well, I, I had Martin Keogh, and I, I just think as, as generally quite a good teachery vibe. I don't know what yes. subject. I was thinking maybe geography. <laughs> scary teacher. Like yeah, scary yeah, in, teacher. Yeah, in the sense that he's, he's clearly a nice bloke, but, you know, all the best teachers, I always thought you could, you could kind of talk to them, but they might turn at some point. You were never completely <laughs> comfortable with them. If you were out of line, they would suddenly snap into real, like, bossy oh, teacher yeah. mode. And I, I yeah. can imagine Keogh playing that role quite well. Oh, definitely. Yeah, he's a bit sensitive, is is Martin, but he'll always have a little bite. Always mm. have a little bite. So I don't think you'd take kindly to the to the kids sort of back chatting him. I mean, are we in agreement that the head teacher of Guna High would 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 have to be would have to be Arsene, wouldn't it? I mean, there's there's only one. There's only one. It depends if you want a bit teacher. more discipline. I think George Graham would have been a, a good head teacher this time. <laughs> I've got a couple. Maybe I'm way off the mark here. I'm getting strong woodwork slash metalwork teacher vibes off Aaron Ramsdale. 
Do you, do you, can, can you see that? Do you know what I mean? I think he's like, he, he's been out there. He's done a bit of joining. He's done, he, he's worked on the sites. And I think he's, he's decided, no, it's not for me. I'm, I'm going to get into the, into the castle. What do you think? Liking that. Yeah. You're having it. You're having it. I also think Rob Holden's got, got sort of history teacher vibes. I think he would, um, yeah, he, he just looks a little bit like a teacher, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, other ones that have been chucked out there, Fabregas in charge of the chess club. Lujny looks like a physics or bi- biology teacher. Remy Gard clearly <laughs> would teach French. Look, we can make up a whole school. I think Granite Xhaka looks like a chairman of the governors. I don't know what you, what you think of that about that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure I've ever. I'm not sure I've ever seen a chairman of the governors in real life, so I can't really judge. I've only ever seen their name on on bits of paper, to be honest. But, uh, uh, I, I, I believe that. Yeah. Are you part of the part of the you know, governorship? I could see you doing that. Oh yeah, I think um, I think just trying n- not to make a complete catastrophe out of just to my own kids is probably enough. So I wouldn't inflict myself on on others at this moment in time. Yeah, I'm hearing you, Amy. Um, that was quite successful, <laughs> Guna. Guna, hi. Um, sounds sounds very, very plausible. Right, um, on to the reason we're all here. Manchester United 3, Arsenal 1. United are in it. It's Ericsson and he's got Rashford with him and he uses Marcus Rashford. And that could be that for Arsenal once again. Catching the gunners cold. Yep, disappointing. The 100% record is gone, but we are still at top of the table. Amy, I think you're a little bit underwhelmed by by what you saw at Old Trafford, aren't you? I just felt like uh, it wasn't Arsenal showing their best version of themselves this season. And it's something strange where you wonder occasionally if there's a sort of psychological thing that carries through with certain clubs. It's, you know, the, the makeup of the team is so different now compared to a lot of years gone by where... Uh, Arsenal would have a reasonable opportunity to go and assert themselves at Old Trafford and somehow manage to always pull out one of their worst performances. Some of them incredibly costly. I still feel haunted by uh, the game in 2016 when Leicester won the title. And Arsenal had just got themselves in a fantastic position, just beaten Leicester and went up to Old Trafford and they didn't have, it seemed like, any players. Um, They were in all sorts of a mess. And it was an ideal opportunity and and what happened on the day was just so feeble. And I keep waiting for Arsenal to be able to go to one of these matches and really flex their muscles. It just felt like Man United were there for the taking. And for whatever reason, Arsenal were a little bit too inhibited, too tentative, a little bit too slow. They just didn't play with that determination and swagger of recent weeks. Um, so that might, the, the biggest disappointment would be down to that, really, because it felt like it it could easily have, have been a three points and to come away with none in what felt in the end a little bit self inflicted and naive. Uh, you know, it's it's hard not to it's hard to take too many positives. Lots of pressure from Arsenal. Lots of the ball after sort of initial fifteen minutes where Manchester United sort of controlled the game, pushed us back. From there on in, we did take control. I tweeted this, lots of pressure but not enough punch. 48 touches in the box, but only three shots on target. United, 17 touches in the box at home, at Old Trafford. But they did have six shots on target. And obviously they scored They scored the three goals as well too. Michael, what do you think about this Arsenal performance? Did we fall into a trap set by, by Manchester United and Eric Ten Hag? How, how do you assess it? 
I thought the goals were quite poor to concede, actually. I think Arsenal just got opened up. I mean, different situations, all three goals. But I thought Arsenal got opened up just far too easily for them, really. And it's not like... You know, I think Arsenal played well. I think, actually, up until the third goal, you can probably say that Arsenal played better up to that point. But it wasn't like the goals were unlucky. And they weren't really counter-attacking goals. I, thought, I mean, the first one in particular... Um, I thought Manchester United were really clever the way they went all the way back from Anthony doing the stepovers all the way back to De Gea and then just played through Arsenal really slick football. The kind of goal that I think Arteta really wants Arsenal to score and the kind of goal Arsenal do score when they're at their best. Mm. Um, But yeah, I I just thought it was... um, I hate using the word naive in football because it always sounds so kind of patronising but it is the youngest team in the Premier League by a long way and Arteta is still the youngest manager in the Premier League and I just thought... It was a, it was one of those where Arsenal just weren't clinical enough. They weren't ruthless enough. They didn't quite convert their good moments into goals. And I think that that is going to come. There are going to be those moments when it's such a young side. Um, but I think Arteta probably will take away quite a few positives. Not just because there were, were positives, but I think the way that Arsenal lost the game will probably be things I think he can work on. I think they were training ground things. I'm not sure they were kind of psychological issues I think there were certain situations Arsenal can do better and I think he's a training ground manager who will be able to apply those situations to certain drills and maybe make sure Arsenal don't do the same thing again Yeah I I looked at the goals um, again last night I haven't had a chance to to watch the game back but I watched the goals back and and I don't want to pin it all on on one player because it isn't on one player because there were multiple mistakes for, for all of the goals but it did strike me that if Thomas Partey had been fit, it might have been a very different game. And I say that because for that first goal, Samba Laconga, who is in that sort of pivot role, is in the opposition half trying to close down Christian Eriksen. There is nobody around Bruno Fernandes apart from Gabriel. There is a big defensive midfielder-shaped hole in the team. And then you look at the 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 other goal, was it the, the second or the third where... Where he's inside, he's on the left wing effectively, um, inside the opposition half, gives the ball away, and from there, again, United break. And it's a brilliant pass, isn't it, from Fernandez to release Rashford? But again, there's no defensive midfielder in situ. I mean, what did you think of, of Sambi's performance, Michael? Yeah, I think this was a difficult game for him because Manchester United are now a good passing side. They do rotate the positions. They do have players popping up in, in those zones. I thought he was actually very good against Villa, particularly in the first yep, half. Definitely. But it's a different challenge, isn't it? And and you do get this with with young players. I mean, he's he's still uh, 22. Yeah. No one's fully formed at that age. I felt the same yeah. watching um, the Manchester United left-back, uh, Malasia, who just looks really good on the ball, but at the moment just positionally and defensively just isn't isn't quite at the level. And I think that's where Lukonga is at the moment. And we know that on deadline day, Arsenal were trying to get in another player in that zone. So mm-hmm. clearly they do know it's a bit of an area of weakness. Um, but yeah, position, he's not great. I mean, I think even El Nenny is good positionally. I know he's not a, I don't think he's a top class player, but I think he understands how to occupy that zone. And uh, yeah, I think that was one area where Arsenal were, were just not quite good enough on the day. Michael and indeed Adrian, just picking your tactical brains. <laughs> If um, Arsenal were to try something that wasn't Sambi in that position, if it's too important in a big game, who do you think is best placed to give a give a go to as well? Out there in the world, people propose playing Ben White there and Tomiyasu coming in at right back, or you could bring Zinchenko into that position and play Tierney at left back uh, amongst sort of most obvious 
trial options do you guys have views on whether either of them might be viable yeah i'll start then if, if i may. i don't i don't think there are many viable options at the moment really because i think we've seen granite Xhaka invigorated by his new role where he's got given a little bit more freedom and we i think collectively on this podcast we've talked about not wanting him to be the last line of defense too often and 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 so, so you can almost effectively rule him out, even though he might be the the best man for the job. Sambi Lekonga, I didn't have an issue with him playing there. I just think he he got a little bit swept swept up at times in the game and ended up being away from his station, and that's where he got caught out. I wouldn't put Ben White there because even though he did it for for Leeds in the Championship, doing it for Leeds in the Championship is very different to doing it for for Arsenal against Manchester United in the Premier League and I think that's a step up I think Zinchenko is probably the the more realistic option but I, I, in that I wouldn't have him as a sole pivot I think you, you'd need to say right we've got two we've got two guys in there Zinchenko and one other maybe Zinchenko and Sambi Lekonga and you guys by and large need to need to stay stay in that position what do, what do you think Michael? No I agree with you completely the, the only alternative I can see is is shifting Xhaka there and almost having Zinchenko in the Xhaka role and then playing mm. Tierney at left back but I mean I wouldn't have suggested doing that ahead of the game on Saturday I think it was the right thing to play Lukonga. Um and if he has another couple of games like that then maybe yeah. you, you start to think you can make a change but it, it was one game I think um, yeah I, I wouldn't query the Arteta's selection I mean I don't know if we're going to come on to it but I, I, I kind of do subscribe to the view that the treble change was was quite strange at that point in the game. Um, and that's what I'd question about Arteta's approach rather than the uh, the starting eleven, which to me looked, looked the right one on paper. Yeah, I think Gary Neville, didn't he, said afterwards that, that Eric Ten Hag managed the last 20, 25 minutes better than Mikel Arteta. Do you subscribe to that theory? Because Amy, in the previous game, I can't remember if it was the Villa game or the Fulham game, I think it was the Fulham game, he made the radical changes, went to 3-5-2, Eddie and Ketu up top, it worked, it really lifted the team with Saka and Martinelli at wing-back. And this occasion, we were disjointed, weren't we, towards the end of the game? What was your take? Well, I liked his uh, his courage to go for it and try and get the win. Um, and I think that's where Arsenal want to be. Not necessarily closing up shop, trying to kind of see out a, a point. You yeah. know, he wants to go and win at places like Old Trafford. And I'd rather have that mentality in a way, uh, certainly at this stage of the season. I also think that probably what we, we don't know is how much of those decisions were fitness related. The fact that two of the three that came off were, the you know, big doubts for the game. I think it'd be entirely predictable that the you know together with the doctors and the, the medical team they'd all sat down and said right we can give Sinchenko um, and Odegaard you know whatever an hour 70 75 minutes but that's probably a lot at this intensity because the other thing to factor in is that although lots of people are predicting multiple changes for the Europa League on Thursday and all that Arteta is not going to take that lightly and there's a really big reason for that because I think that if you win the group in the Europa League now you skip the round of 32 when the Champions League third place plays and teams come in mm. and you, mm. go, you, you, know, you go straight straight through further into the knockouts and I think that is a um, a priority goal for Arteta when it comes to the Europa League and presumably Zurich away might be one of the tougher games so you know, I do think he's trying to manage the squad at the moment and there's, you know, so much football combining Europe and, and Premier League coming up. 
before the World Cup that I think they are trying to manage the players. So I give some sort of excuse is the wrong word, but I think um, it's understandable. I think that that he would want to make those changes and Eddie bringing on to try and stretch them and, fre- and freshen things up. He was so effective the other day in doing that made sense too. So I thought they were all relatively logical substitutions. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was a tough one for Fabio Vieira to come on to, um, come into, wasn't it, situation-wise? What, what did you make of him, Coxie? Obviously, it was, it was sort of fleeting glimpses. I remember he put one sort of gorgeous left-footed ball into the box. And it, and is that the position that you think he's gonna, going to occupy, sort of the Erdegaard on the right side of a midfield three, or do you think he could be a, a, a wide forward? I'm not sure. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, he looks a good good around player, quite quite tidy on the ball, certainly. Um, but yeah, he's another option to come in. And um, I mean, I think he, he seems versatile. I think a, a clear thing about players that yeah. Arteta has brought in is is he likes versatility. Clearly, a lot of um, a lot of his plan B, I think, is going to involve players in different positions. You can see that from Zinchenko, uh, from Jesus to a certain extent, although I think the way he's playing, he's just going to play up front. Um, so yeah, excited to see more of him. You talked about positives, Michael. What what were they? Who did impress you? I mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily about individuals. I just think from 10 to 15 minutes to probably the hour mark, I think Arsenal were probably the better team. I think put the ball into good situations. The uh, the disallowed goal, I mean, it's uh, whether you think it's a foul or not, it was, it was a good move. It was the type of move that Arsenal want to be playing. I think on another day that could have gone their way and it's a different game. So... Um, I just I was broadly impressed with the way Arsenal went there and imposed themselves on the game for long periods. The, the, the issue, I think, is when you're not playing well, you've got to make sure you don't lose the game, if that makes sense. And I think there were only a few moments where Arsenal weren't in control and they did concede three goals. Um, so that's obviously the concern. Uh, Amy, we, got, we should touch on that disallowed goal. I was doing the live show for Arsenal, the breakdown live, and I... I was I was raging really I was because I just felt that it might have been a foul and it might not have been a foul and and, and that I think is at the crux of the matter there the referee initially didn't think it was a foul and was it a, a clear and obvious error in terms of that initial decision in my opinion no and when I watched him go to the monitor there's absolutely no way that he was clear in his own mind that he'd made a mistake because he looked at it over and over and over and over again. And I felt that he was almost, you know, almost bullied into, into changing his mind. I thought it was a really controversial decision. I get the sense Michael necessarily doesn't, doesn't think that. What, what about you? I just think overall it's so depressing to be in this situation <laughs> yeah, where games stop, are yeah. <laughs> hinging on these, uh, you know, these interpretations of things that are, you know, being double refereed. And like you yeah. said, I think there is a kind of, a different kind of a mental pressure that comes from you know if you everybody knows that ever since time began that a referee would give their best guess at most decisions if they weren't one million percent sure and that was understandable but if you give your best guess and then someone else who's you know having a look at it tells you that it's something else though you know more often than not you'll probably feel that you maybe ought to change your mind because you just know you had your your instinct and your eyes at that live moment to make your choice and uh, I think uh, it was Arsblog who did a tweet that really struck me uh, over the weekend and he wasn't even talking about the Arsenal decisions it was all the other decisions that got everybody raging and he was like just an overall comment about VAR and saying 
it seems now, you know, the intention presumably was to, you know, get more decisions right. But what it seems to be doing in its current guise is basically looking for ways to, to prevent the best thing about football, which is yeah. goals. Yeah, no, it's frustrating at the moment. Very last one on, on this, uh, Michael, to you. After the international break, we've got Spurs, City, Liverpool is a tough, tough one away at Leeds as well. Busy period with Europa League. We're going to find out, aren't we, what, what this Arsenal team are made of in October. Um, are you confident, have you seen enough to suggest that, that we can sort of end this big six hoodoo of sorts? Because we lost seven of ten last season. Do you think we will end up with a better record this year in that, in that regard? Probably. I mean, I think the performance was better than res- the result yesterday, but obviously played one game against those sides and, and lost it so far. So I think probably Arsenal will be in a better situation against those sides than previously. Yeah. Hello there. I'm James Richardson, and I just want to give you a quick heads up on the Totally Football Show's European edition. We're with you every Tuesday lunchtime, as you may know, but it's a particularly big edition this week as James Horncastle, Raphael Honigstein, Julian Laurence and Alvaro Romeo look ahead to match day one of the Champions League group stage, which features Real Madrid heading to paradise, Liverpool going down to Naples, where they always lose, and Juventus going to Paris Saint-Germain for the first time in Champions League history. Crikey, we'll also be rounding up all the continental news from the weekend too, so don't miss it. Search for The Totally Football Show wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Let's talk Europa League. It's back on Thursday, early kickoff, 5.45pm uh, UK time. Arsenal travelling to Switzerland to face FC Zurich. What are we saying then, Amy? How many changes? You hinted earlier on that you don't necessarily think there will be 9, 10, 11 changes. If that's the case, who, who out of the number one lineup plays in this game? Well, I think there's a pretty obvious half a dozen or so who come in. So yeah. um, be surprised not to see Matt Turner uh, and those who have been maybe unlucky not to be playing more from the start. Tommy Yasu, Tierney, Rob Holding will play. Eddie will play. Uh, I think it's time for Vieira to get his start. Um, you know, you quite easily get to about six or seven pretty good players that, that it'd be nice to see them getting the full... Uh, 90 minutes or best part of but I don't think that Arteta has quite enough to change the entire 11 um, Mm. in terms of backup we know you know we we would have expected Sambi to start this one and he may well do anyway being sort of young and fit and you know with possibly needing more minutes to get used to things Mm. might be a good opportunity in in this game actually to give him another go and try and give him some different things to, to think about or work on in terms of space Marquinhos, I think. Would be nice to see him. To see. Yeah. Um, uh, he's got something about him. So, but that still leaves three or four spaces. I mean, my instinct would say that probably Granite plays because Granite sort of nearly always plays, and it's Switzerland. I'm sure he'll True. want to. 
you know, probably one of the centre halves will go in and join Rob Holding and take your pick as to who gets selected there. Um, and the dog is agreeing. He wants to see. He's looking forward to seeing Marquinhos as well. <laughs> um, one player that's nailed on to start, Coxie, has to be Eddie Nketiah. We haven't had your take. Obviously, you've not been on the show for a while. Haven't had your take on, on Eddie Nketiah's development this season. I think he's looked incredibly sharp when he's come off the bench. Like a new player. What, yeah, what, what are your views on, on Eddie Nketiah? And if he starts all six games in the Europa League, is, it, is he the man to sort of get us to the top of this group? Yeah, I like him a lot. I think he's a perfect backup striker, really. I think he has an impact immediately when he, he comes on to onto the pitch and, and we've seen that he can play as well alongside Jesus as well as, as an alternative to him. So, yeah, I think the Europa League is, is good for players like that, isn't it? It's good for them to get match fitness and um, sometimes that can transfer into the league. But, um, yeah, I'm quite interested in this game. I, I think um, it's an interesting group. Arsenal have got three three fairly tasty sides for Europa League level, I'd say. Interesting sides, Zurich. I mean, they won the, the Swiss League last year. I think the first time in about 15 years that neither Young Boys nor Basel won it. But they haven't actually won. They lost their manager uh, to Hoffenheim. So they haven't actually won in the league this season. So it's quite difficult really to work out quite how good they'll be. But um be interesting test. So they're, they're third tie in a row against British opposition in this competition I quite like. Because they played Linfield and Hearts in the previous <laughs> round. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I think it's a good group. Um, Zurich, Bode Glimp, PSV. Three interesting yeah. sides. So uh, the Europa League, I must admit, the group stage sometimes does bore the pants off me, but I think this one should be relatively interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, I hope so. That's for sure. And it'd be nice, wouldn't it, to get it done and dusted, get that top spot guaranteed early enough so that we can sort of write off the last two and and, and really rest the, the big guns. couple of fun facts about Zurich, by the way. Muesli was invented there by a nutritionist called Max Birchner-Benner in 1897. Don't know if you're partial to a bit of muesli. I, I, I like it. Um, it is also the spiritual home of Dadaism, which, as Amy will remember for our art history A-level, was the early 20th century art movement that rejected logic and expressed nonsense, irrationality, and general anti-bourgeoisness, which is nice. Uh, Amy, is it, you're a big fan of dad- dadism. <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah, I, I think p- probably people who aren't that familiar with uh, dadism, uh, if you kind of imagine that this was a sort of pr- precursor. Uh, to what was going on with Salvador Dali, who most people might have heard of or seen at some stage. But there was definitely this sense of kind of um, provoking all normal kind of expectations. And uh, it wasn't just an an art movement in terms of painting and um, uh, creating that way. It was also sort of poetry and they used to do things like rip up poems and randomly put words together, which is a bit like what sometimes goes on on the sort of fridge you know with kids just it's that sort of stuff so um no it was uh it's sort of there's a Zurich movement then it went to New York and Paris and stuff like that and became quite international but um yeah who who knew that we'd be having a bit of such a cultural <laughs> uh <laughs> cultural moment on handbrake off I, I'll level with you it, I have not got a clue what, what what this is but um I mean I'm very impressed at your knowledge <laughs> you've set your stall out with your A-level um yeah memories basically which is which is very impressive and of course you're 
we're going to do a little quiz here. Coxie, you are a two-time winner of the Intertotally Cup, of course. Um, I'm, I'm a two-time first-round <laughs> Exeter, incidentally. Uh, you also won a football cliches quiz as well. Um, but, but I'm hoping we might have, we might be able to stump you here. Um, it's a silly, silly little quiz, but basically the, the, the nuts and bolts of it are, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some names and you've got to decide whether they are Dada artists or FC Zurich players. Simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I'll, go, I'll go to you both with, with, with all of the questions and you can disagree with each other and we'll, we'll just try and keep score. Right, Dragon Alexic. Dragon Alexic. Uh, Amy, I'll, I'll go to you first here. I'm um, going straight for FC Zurich. FC Zurich for Dragon Alexic. Um, Coxie, what are you saying? I agree. Dragon's a very footballery yeah. first name, I think. So familiar with a familiar with a player or no, no. Um, yeah, you wouldn't be because um, so they're not a midfield schemer. They're a Serbian artist and founder of the Yugoslav oh. branch of Dadaism no. back in 1918. No, yeah, right, nil oh, nil, nil nil. We go right. Um, okay, Franco Froda. Well, I know that I, yeah, I'm. I, you I know, you think you know this? Well, yeah. I mean, the fact that I know, I think I know it probably implies. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I might have given the game away. <laughs> All right, Amy. Okay, Amy, I, I, I think I better say FC. <laughs> right, he's, one of these, Franco Frode. Franco Frodo is the manager. He's the manager of yeah. FC. That's a gimme. Look, we've got to give you one point. Uh, right, next up, Yannick Brescia. Let's go to. Um, I'll go to you, Amy. I think he's a player as well. Okay. Yeah, he, he sounds like a player to me as well. Two apiece is Zurich's goalkeeper. Um, played in every okay. game so far. Here we go. Good standard. Marcel Janko. Coxie. Right, I'm going artist for this one. Same. Yeah, sounds like a striker, doesn't it, Marcel Janko? But it is uh, a Romanian. Israeli visual artist who fell out with Dadaism in 1917. So you go. There um, were you saying you didn't have knowledge about this stuff, Adrian. You sound like a real world expert. I think this yeah, could be your no, master just picked, subject. I've just, I've, just, I've just picked things up as you know over the last few minutes. I knew nothing about it, but yeah, I'm just just quite quick, like quick on the uptake. Right, here we go. Uh, Walter Cerner, Amy. <laughs> I'm going to go Dada as well. I'm, I'm right, just to, to provide some fun. I'm going to say a footballer because we can't just guess the same thing throughout. <laughs> you, you, you've played. You've you, you've been a team player there, Michael, because uh, it is um, not a player. It is uh, the Austrian essayist, and his manifesto Lech Lockerun is one of the key texts of Dadaism. Um, yeah, maybe maybe Amy knew that. Do, I'm not sure. Okay, just yeah. before we just you know wrap up this quiz, do, do we think we've still got any listeners? <laughs> I hope Compared so. To, right, you're you know, one up. Um, I hope so too. <laughs> I hope so. Right, we're getting in. No one will ever know. It, it, yeah. Exactly. Right, this is the decider. Carson Emmanuel Bushman Drummond. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Just say it at the same time. Come on. Just just say it at the same time. So just you know, so we've got no you know, no, here we go. Three, two, one, say it. Play artist. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> and with that, Amy Lawrence wins 2-0 in the Zurich wow. uh, quiz. Well played, Amy. You can be beaten after all then, Coxie. 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm really away from home in, in this, this kind of quiz, yeah. Uh, but I liked it. Right, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. I've, I've never won a quiz in my life, if that makes you feel any worse, Cox. <laughs> right, just about to wrap things up now then. Um, before we get to a song, uh, what have you been writing about this week? Um, Coxie, I see that you've um, you sat down with Kira Walsh. That looks really interesting. I haven't had a chance to to read it yet. Can you tell the listeners what, what that's about? Yeah, that was great. I think probably the most enjoyable article I've done for, for a long time. Um, basically just sat down and watched the, the Euro... 2022 final with her obviously she was player of the match and she hadn't actually watched the game back which surprised me or um i mean she'd seen the goals and stuff but it was great so the first time she was watching it and it was just fascinating to hear what she remembered and her thought process in various situations and uh yeah i mean the nice thing was i think she really enjoyed it as well um so yeah it's that's on site and i think we're doing it as a kind of audio uh podcast uh, bonus episode which i think is going to be on the the tactics feed and also on the women's football podcast feed so i haven't heard that i hope it comes across well because obviously we're talking about what we can see and that kind of thing on the on the videos but uh, yeah it's on the site in text format as well oh, sounds, sounds fantastic check it out on the athletic amy what's in the pipeline for you um <laughs> something arsenal related probably um i am covering the game on the weekend against everton so uh hopefully it'll be a uh, it's gonna be quite Interesting to see if Arsenal can respond better than last year to setbacks, where there tended to be a bit of a hangover and one defeat became more. So it'll be a, a, a good tale um, and a good sign of where Arsenal are to see probably over the next couple of games, we might learn more about them than we did against Man United in a way. Everton at home is the type of match we have consistently won in recent times. We've got to, got to get back on the horse and, and win it and not let confidence... Drain away, that is for sure. Right, let's end things with a song. Um, Michael, I don't know if you were given a heads up on this. Have you got a song for us? I, I, I thought long and hard about this and I couldn't come up with anything fitting. I'm sorry, I just said exactly the same thing last time I was on this podcast. <laughs> I'm just terrible at it. So I'll leave it to Amy because I really like her recommendations. Uh, Amy's excellent on the, uh, excellent on this. Uh, right, I, I just I just Google songs about and the, and, and then uh, and, and 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 end up with it. But yeah, what what have you got, Amy? Come on. Well, uh, I'm going to go for a song called Frustration, which pretty much <laughs> summed up the mood. And there, uh, there's two songs called Frustration by artists that I like. Um, one of which is Felicuti, but I'm going to go for, because actually the introduction is quite Dadaist and almost is a good reflection of ha- what was going on inside my head at points during that game by Soft Cell. Very good. Right. We are still top of the league. So that's where my recommendation is coming from. We might not be number one for that much longer. So let's reference it as often as we uh, as we possibly can. So I've gone for the current UK number one. I'm obviously well across this, as, as you'll know. Uh, Eliza Rose, the baddest of them all. It's also written B-O-T-A. I don't even like the song, but it is number one at the moment. So we're Arsenal. <laughs> Bad 
That is it for today. Lucky not you're not a... stony or I would have been having a right go at you for that. I just respect <laughs> you that little bit too much to, to smash up your musical taste and selections I just saw, yet. I saw, I saw your face there, Amy, and you were open-mouthed. You were aghast at my choice, and I'm all for it. Um, as I said, that's it for today. Uh, if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, what are you waiting for? It's just a pound a month for six months. Pretty good deal, if you ask me. And if you're enjoying this podcast... Why not head to Apple and drop us a five-star review? I'll be back again at the end of the week to review the Zurich game and look ahead to the weekend. But for now, thank you to Michael Cox and Amy Lawrence. This has been Handbreak Off, the podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Mm-hmm.